Well, do please uh, open your Bibles with me to Nehemiah and uh, chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. If you were here last time I came, you may recall in the evening we looked at Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm not sure if this is going to develop into a series. I appreciate it's a little haphazard going from chapter 4 to chapter 2. But there we are. Hopefully, if it does develop into a series, it will become a little bit more... Uh, structured, but uh, we're going to read together chapter 2 of Nehemiah. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took, that is, that Nehemiah took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid, and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad, when the city, the place, of my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favour in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore I said to the king, If it pleases the king, Let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates which were burned with fire. 
And I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. But there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials or others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage, or right, or memorial in Jerusalem. We live today, as I'm sure we're all aware, in a world that is driven by achievement. A world that preaches that we must have our best life now. And... For those of us who are a little older, there seems to have been a significant change in the way the world and its institutions encourage and treat us. When I grew up, and I'm sure when many of you uh, more mature individuals grew up, there was no such thing as life coaches. Now they seem to be everywhere, wherever you go, whether you're in employment, whether you're in education, whether you're at university, wherever you go, there are those who are teaching us about how we are to live our lives, to spend time taking stock of who we are, to spend time considering what we have achieved already. And taking pride in it. Taking time to set goals for ourselves. And all of these things are very much person focused. All of them have a complete and utter denial in them. Of the truths of scripture. And of the life of the creature before its creator. But as with so many things that we find in the world, what we have is, of course, a corruption of the principles that Scripture laid down many years before such coaches were ever dreamt of. Spiritually, we are encouraged in God's Word to be those who are taking time to review, to review the state of our heart and the state of our soul, 
to self-examine. And we know if we've done it, it can be painful. But if it is done honestly and prayerfully, it is rarely unprofitable. And I'd like to ask this evening whether this is something that you do on a regular basis. Or something you have done recently. If not, I'd like to encourage you this evening to do so. I'd like to encourage you to do so regularly. And I'd like to encourage you to do so prayerfully. And we're going to do that as we turn back to the passage we read in Nehemiah chapter 2. And we're going to look this evening at the words we find in verse 15, or at least the first part of verse 15, where Nehemiah declares, So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. As we read here of Nehemiah examining the walls of the city of Jerusalem, I believe we can draw some lessons for ourselves as we look to examine our own hearts and our own lives and our own walk before God. Of course, overriding and behind everything we're going to think about this evening with relation to the words of Nehemiah here are what we read Nehemiah declaring twice in this chapter. Verse 8 and verse 18 both tell us that Nehemiah was aware of the good hand of his God upon him. It is God who gave him the desire to return to Jerusalem. It's God who led him to Jerusalem. It's God who provided the means and the strength for him to carry out everything he did. And it is under the guiding hand of the Spirit of God that if we are to be faithful and honest in self-examination, then it is through his help that we do so. And the first thing we notice here in this uh, passage is that Nehemiah examined the walls personally. He went out and reviewed them. Now Nehemiah had already received an accurate and honest report of the state of the walls. If you just turn back to chapter 1 and verse 3, we find there some brethren coming to Sushan. And in verse 3 we read, And they said to me, the survivors who are left, from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. As he approached the city on his journey, he would no doubt have seen the state of those walls. As he settled in, in those first few days of his dwelling there, he would have noticed something of the walls but he knew he was called to do a work he was called to rebuild the walls and he wasn't willing to start that work until he had seen for himself their true state 
and the true need of those walls. He wanted a complete picture for himself. And you know, when we come to self-examine, we are to understand our hearts. And if we are to understand our standing before God, if we are to understand where we are on the Christian journey, then you can, yes, you can get an accurate report from the pages of Scripture. You can get an accurate report as the Spirit takes the Word as it's meditated upon and as it's expounded. But I would suggest this evening that you cannot avoid the need to examine your heart, yourself, personally. To see where you are. This is the place that every Christian journey starts. It's only as we come to see the personal sin, the deception, the pride and the rebellion of our own hearts, that we start through God's grace to see our need of a saviour. It's only as we look upon the state of the heart that we seek his mercy. And we desire to have a transformed character moulded in his image. This evening, if you are outside of the kingdom of Christ, if this evening you have no knowledge of your sins forgiven, then I would encourage you to examine yourself. It is a painful process. But I would encourage you to pray that God would open your heart. That you might see it as he sees it. That you might look upon it as uh, he opens it up to you. That he might do so as he opened up to Ezekiel in his prophecy, the temple. Chapter 8 of Ezekiel is a, a chapter where Ezekiel is brought to Jerusalem. And God shows him the secret and the hidden things that are happening in the temple. If you're an unbeliever this evening, I'd encourage you to read that chapter. And consider your own heart as you do. In that chapter we read, So he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. He goes on to look into the inner courts and at the altar. And at the end of that passage, in verse 17 of Ezekiel chapter 8, God says to Ezekiel, have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a trivial thing? To the house of Judah. To commit the abominations. Which they commit here. For they have filled the land with violence. And have provoked me to anger. You know this evening sinner. If you self examine your heart honestly in prayer before God. Then you will see the same things. There. It's painful to see. It's painful to understand. 
It's painful to accept. But I can assure you that if you speak to those who know the Lord Jesus Christ who gather here week by week, they will tell you it is necessary. They will tell you that by God's grace, He brought them to that place. And through that grace, He brought them to the place of mercy. To the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came in repentance and sorrow. And they found the truth that his blood and his sacrifice does indeed cleanse. And save. And redeem. And reconcile. But this evening, I don't want us to think of self-examination as only something for those who are strangers to Christ's mercy. It's a discipline that every believer should carry out throughout their lives. As Paul writes his second letter to the church at Corinth, in chapter 13 of that letter, and verse 5, he says to them, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And then he asks this question. Do you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? To know Jesus Christ in us as we examine our hearts is to know where our weaknesses are. To see for ourselves which elements of the fruits of the Spirit we are deficit in. To identify and be aware of those besetting sins that we can so easily fall into. To examine ourselves as believers is to identify the gifts that we've been given. And the joys and the service that Christ has prepared for us to examine ourselves as believers is to recognise the quality of our prayer life and of our fellowship with our Saviour and of how the world can so easily encroach upon these things. And I'm sure if we had the opportunity to discuss this together around a table, there would be other things that we could perhaps point to that careful and regular personal examination of our hearts before Christ would perhaps make us aware of. The more you examine yourself, believer, the more you prayerfully come into the presence of Christ, seeking to be searched by Him, the more you will see of your need, the more you will see of His blessings, the more you will see of the work of grace 
that is being undertaken in your heart, the more you will praise him for what he has done, and what he is doing, the more you will desire to follow more closely, the more you will long to grow, the more you will seek to learn, the more you will desire to serve. Paul, as he examined his heart, the great apostle, he said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this poverty of death? That perhaps is where the Christian starts as they examine themselves. But Paul is able to go on there in Romans chapter 7 to say, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, self-examination, it pulls self down, but it exalts Christ. It humbles us, but it honours and glorifies him. Self-examination in the life of a believer, done prayerfully under the hand of God the Spirit, will always lead us to seek more of his grace, to seek more of Christ, and to desire more of his teaching. If you want the reality of what we sang together a few moments ago, more about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving mercy see. More of his love who died for me. If you want to know more about Jesus, let me learn more of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be. Show the things of Christ to me. And you need to be self-examining and looking at your own heart. In the light of the work that Christ is doing in you. Nehemiah, he viewed the walls personally. He knew where they stood. He knew their weaknesses. He knew the problems and the difficulties. He wasn't surprised when the work of building started. And he knew where to start. Because he had viewed them himself. We read in our text that he viewed them at night. Seems a strange time to me to view a city wall and examine it. Must have been difficult to see. I have no doubt that as he went around the wall there were parts of it and things that he didn't notice. Because it was night. No street lights or torches in those days. The passage doesn't tell us why he chose to carry out the task at night. But I'd like to suggest this evening that probably this was the first opportunity that he had to do so. We're told in verse 11 that he'd only been in the city for three days. Now we can imagine, can't we, the king's cupbearer coming from the centre of the empire to Jerusalem, would have been a big event. He was a high-ranking and important official. 
No doubt many people wanted to see him when he first arrived. No doubt there was much to organise in terms of where he was going to stay, in terms of sorting out those who came with him and where they were going to stay. But the work was so important that I like to think that this was the first opportunity he had. And he couldn't bear to wait even until the morning. He must do it at the first opportunity. You know, this evening, if you are unsure where you stand before God, if you are unsure of your salvation, then I would suggest tonight there is nothing more important and no more important task facing you than going up and viewing your heart and viewing your soul. There is no more important task for you than to see where you truly do stand. Why spend time and energy tonight on things that have no lasting importance? Remember that man in the parable. You fall tonight. Your soul will be required of you. Do not presume on tomorrow. Do not presume on next week. You know, as we gather here this evening, there are congregations up and down this land gathering the same as we are around God's word. And it is almost certain that out of all of those congregations, there will be some who meet tonight who will not meet next week. There will be some for whom tonight will be their last opportunity to examine themselves before Christ. And whatever plans and whatever thoughts they have for the week ahead will be dashed and taken from them. I hope and pray that that won't be the case for anyone here. But what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? a well-known verse. I'm sure you've heard it here many times. Have you examined the value and the importance of your soul? Have you examined the states of its disrepair and of its need to be built and transformed? If you haven't, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If however this evening you can with confidence and assurance say, 
Yes, I have a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. I have a treasure in the heavens where no thief approaches and where no moth destroys. I have a treasure in heaven secured by my Saviour whom I know has died for me. And you will have almost certainly experienced in your Christian life and in your Christian walk difficulties. Maybe you have are experiencing them tonight as you come into this place. Maybe as you come into this place this evening, you understand something of Nehemiah because you feel it is the night with you. And you do not know what to do. Well, I would suggest even in times of trial. And in times of night seasons, it is good to examine your heart and your soul before Christ. Because in doing so, you will find encouragement. Because as you look upon it, you will see something of the ongoing work of your Saviour. You will come to realise that you are still His workmanship. You may be surprised at how the walls of your heart have changed. You may find and take comfort in the fact that the foundations upon which your hope and your faith is built are as solid and as firm as they were when you were first called into his kingdom. The walls may be incomplete. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. As Paul wrote to Timothy, it has this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. You know, the walls of the city of Jerusalem were built upon solid rock. That rock must have encouraged Nehemiah as he went around and viewed the walls. As he looked upon the foundation. Whatever the state of the walls themselves, he had confidence that it would provide the strength and the support for the work that needed to be done. Christian friend, this evening, as you examine yourself, remember to look upon the foundation, the foundation upon which your hope and your faith is built. Remember that that rock cannot be moved. And whatever the state of the building that is built upon it. Press on with the work. For you build upon ground which is sure and certain. Nehemiah, he, he viewed the wall personally. He viewed it with urgency. And lastly, he viewed it from the valley. So I went up by night, in the night by the valley, and viewed the wall. Now, I don't think I'm telling anybody anything that is of great shock tonight when I say you can view a wall from two sides. You can look from the inside outwards at the wall 
or you could go outside and look at inwards. Nehemiah chose to go outside the city. View the wall from the perspective of those who would approach it. From those who would pass by the city. It's a good principle for us. As we seek to examine our hearts this evening. How do they look to those on the outside who look in? How do they look to those who we come into contact with? How do they look to the world? How do they look to God? How do they look to the great enemy of our souls, Satan? We started our service by reading together Matthew chapter 5 and those verses where we are told that the church is called to be like Jerusalem. A city that is set upon a hill and that cannot be hid. Christian, this evening you are surrounded by a world that does not understand you. A world that is constantly watching you. A world in whose sight you move and you live. And as you examine yourself, you should examine yourself. As the world views you. Do you ever stop to ask yourself. What does the world see. When it looks. At me. What does my neighbour hear. When they converse. With me. What do my work colleagues see. In the meetings. And in the coffee. um, In the kitchen. Around the coffee. What do those at the supermarket see? As I queue up at the checkouts. The walls that Nehemiah viewed. Caused the people. To be a reproach. To those around them. We see that in verse 17. As Nehemiah encourages the people. To build, come let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. They saw a city lying in waste and a people distressed. And as a result the city was disregarded and belittled. The world, Christian, when it looks upon you. It may mock you and reject you and ridicule you because of your faith in Christ. But do not let it mock you and belittle you and ridicule you because of hypocrisy. Because you say one thing and do another. Because you live and you act no different from anyone else. Let us go up by the valley and view the wall to see what we are presenting to the world. We should, as we read there in Matthew 5 at the start, be bringing glory to our Father in heaven through the way we interact with the world around us. Whatever they think of our faith, 
Secondly, when you examine your heart, take time to view it as God views it. God was so concerned, if I can put it that way reverently, with the state of the city in which he had placed his name, that he moved Nehemiah's heart thousands of miles away to come and rebuild it. He moved the heart of the most powerful man on earth at that time, King Artaxerxes, to approve it and to provide all the materials that was necessary. God could have defended the city and its inhabitants from any foe, whether the walls were built or not. You could argue this evening that the people would have been more dependent upon God, perhaps more faithful to him, perhaps less trusting in themselves and in the walls if they had been left broken down. But this place, Jerusalem, was the place God had chosen for his name to be settled. It was the place he had chosen as the centre of his worship. And the city had to reflect something of his glory and his power to all who saw it and all who entered it. And you know, Christian, you are no different this evening. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are an individual created in the image of your maker. And as defaced and as marred as that image might be, God has chosen to dwell in your heart. You are to reflect something of his glory and his character. At the very start of our reading in verses 1 and 2, we see how sad Nehemiah was as he heard of the state of the city. I'd never been sad. In the presence of the king before. Therefore the king said to me. Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Do you have sorrow of heart Christian? That your heart and your life does not reflect. The glory and the honour of the God who dwells within you. Nehemiah could have been content with the knowledge that the people had returned. He could have been content that the temple was being rebuilt. And that the city was at peace. But he saw there was more. He understood That it needed to reflect the glory in some way of the God whose temple was found within it. 
this evening, are you enthused to build your heart, to build the walls of your life to the glory and honour of your Saviour? You know, too many Christians are happy and content to know that their salvation is secure, to know that their eternal destination has been fixed. And to leave it at that. But you know the Christian who self-examines. And the Christian who truly loves and desires to serve their saviour. Will be a Christian who desires to have him reign within them. A Christian who desires to know. That he is the centre of their life. You're a Christian this evening who can say that the Lord Jesus Christ is the chiefest among 10,000 to you and the all together lovely, then you will desire to show forth his glory. Do not be a believer who is untroubled by sin. Do not be a believer who is comfortable in the presence of evil. Do not be a believer who is driven by the ambitions of the world. What we're talking about here is Christian growth. Growth that comes through a knowledge of Christ and a desire to follow Christ. How many today fall into the words of Hebrews chapter 5 where we read sadly, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Self-examination is an exercise, a spiritual exercise, which causes the Christian's faith to grow, causes their knowledge of Christ to grow. Christian this evening, go up by the valley and view the walls and by reason of exercise of your senses see if you are indeed following Christ as he intended or whether your walls are still broken down and you require milk as a babe. And then finally when you self-examine think of how the great enemy of your soul looks upon you you notice no doubt in our reading that Nehemiah had opposition verse 10 when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. 
these men of importance in the land. They despised Jerusalem. They despised the Jews. And the purpose of the wall as it was rebuilt was to restrict the access that such individuals had to the city. We too have an enemy who despises us, believer. The devil cares for nobody. He hates God and he hates man who carries the image of God. And he loathes the church of Christ. He is a liar and a destroyer and a deceiver. And like those who oppose Nehemiah, he too is deeply disturbed that a man has come to seek the well-being of his people. The man, Christ Jesus. Go up by the valley and view the walls of your faith and the walls of your heart and identify those areas most susceptible to his attack. (coughs) Those sins that most tempt you. Those activities that are most likely to draw your thoughts away from God and from Christ your Saviour. Those people who are most likely to weaken your faith. Because you can be sure that Satan will take the time To examine the walls. And go up by the valley. You can be sure that he will know. Where your weaknesses are. And the place to attack. And the time to attack. Do not give him the opportunity. But examine them yourself. God is faithful and your saviour has given that great promise that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation he will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But to see the way of escape you must first recognise the temptation. To see the way of escape you must first recognise the danger. And to do so you must... Go up by the valley and view the walls. You must self-examine. In summary, as we close this evening, don't rely on others to carry out the work of self-examination. But do it yourself in person, under the hand of your God. If you've never spent time viewing your heart, then do so as a matter of urgency. Do not wait for a more convenient time, because it will never come. Look at your faith and your life in Christ and your heart from the outside. Examine it as others see it, whether that is the world or your saviour, or your enemy. And then finally remember that inspecting the walls is just the first step. Nehemiah didn't just examine the walls and then sit back. But he would go on in verse 18. 
to say, I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me, also of the king's word that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Amen.